Hello, and welcome to The Get. I'm your host, Erica Seidel. This season, we examine the relationship between CMOs and boards. How can that relationship go from fraught to functional and maybe even to fantastic? Today's episode is special. I've invited a CMO and her board member together to talk not just about each other, but with each other. You'll see what a good partnership looks like in an actual CMO board member pair. We talk with Jen Demas, the Chief Marketing and Experience Officer of Tolaris, and Evan DeCourt, a board member from Columbia Capital, which backs Tolaris. Some things to listen for. Realize investors have reptile brains. They are focusing on big V versus little v value. So you as a CMO will need to do some context switching. Jen offers a guide for that. You'll learn what to do starting during your interview process to set yourself up for a successful standing with the board. And you'll learn a simple framing that will help you as you prepare your board meetings. Before we get started, a quick disclaimer as requested by Evan's friends in compliance. This interview should not be considered investment advice or a solicitation to invest. And the views and opinions expressed herein are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any entities they represent. Let's go. Welcome to the next session of The Get. This season, as we know, is all about the CMO board relationship. And I thought, what better than to have a CMO and one of their board members together for this podcast? So for this one, we welcome Jen Demas, who is the Chief Marketing and Experience Officer for Tolaris. And Tolaris is a global technology solutions brokerage. And I actually placed Jen in her role. It was a really fun search. And I worked alongside Evan DeCourt from Columbia Capital. He is our other guest. He is uh, a board member for Tolaris and is representing that perspective. They are a PE entity that backs Tolaris. So let us get started. Um, I would love to know, the two of you just seem to get along really well. And as we have talked about before, you have a pretty strong board partnership. And sometimes the CMO and board partnership can be a little fraught. So what makes your partnership special compared to other uh, kind of uh, dyads of CMO and board members that you have seen or been a part of? Maybe Jen, we'll start with you. I think part of the reason our uh, relationship is so strong and functional is because we were just really, we, we're both kind of transparent humans. So when we first met, we both sort of just laid all the cards on the table about what was going on. Evan was really clean and clear about what was necessary in the role, what he had observed during diligence, uh, looking at Tolaris as an investment opportunity and kind of had done a ton of research and had a really strong thesis of what was necessary for the company moving forward. And he also knew what he didn't know. He's like, I think I need this thing, but tell me something different. Um, this is what I see in the market. This is what I see as an opportunity. There happened to be a great overlap with what was necessary and what I'm good at. And I think we had a nice development of our relationship just because we both say, Things that we're good at, things that we uh, we things that we know, things that we don't know, and we're uh, honest with each other. Really, for me, it's about transparency. I think it's hard to develop a meaningful and productive relationship if you can't be straightforward about you know what you need and want and what you expect, and and also at the same time being receptive to feedback and hearing from the company and its executives what they need and want from us as as investors. And I think there can be a temptation from the board to treat it as a one-way street to, to sort of dictate outcomes. And it turns out that's actually not not really how it works. Um, people build businesses and, and we're part of that conversation, but I think ultimately we're facilitators. And so if you don't, uh, if you don't come to that table 
with that approach, right? And you think you can sort of tell people what to do instead of building a business with them and alongside them, you're going to set yourself up for, for trouble and a lot of disappointment. Jen, you mentioned that Evan and you got to know each other through the recruiting process. And I know, Evan, you and I worked together along with the CEO of Tolera's for the recruiting of Jen. Is that is that unusual? It's not unusual at all. I've always met with at least a board member um, during recruitment for a marketing leadership role. Uh, and frankly, I'd be really concerned if that wasn't part of the conversation. If I, I, I would have requested it had it not happened organically. But it's a very important relationship that the executive team in general delivering on the promise to their investors, that's a big deal. And so knowing what the dynamic is there and understanding that relationship is incredibly important to, to be able to set yourself up for success. So no, I don't think it's unusual. I think what was unusual here is just how well aligned we all were and like the, how quickly we established fluency with each other. Yeah, my take on having investors in involved in searches is... I'd rather have somebody who is helping be a chef at the beginning of a process than being like the restaurant critic and at the end of a process. So sometimes I've done searches where there's a, an investor comes in way at the end and they're like, oh, thumbs up, thumbs down. And it's not as helpful as if they're kind of involved early on. So I, there's, there's something else I just wanted to say, um, Erica, yeah. that I think is, is special here. Because Evan and Columbia had done such incredibly thorough work on diligence, about Tolaris. Like they really understood the market in which Tolaris is operating. So they had really strong opinions about what could be done and what was necessary. And so I think it's a, it was important that they were at the table. Like they saw the market opportunity for doing things differently. And they knew that, that doing this right was going to be a real lever for success of the org. And so yeah. I'm glad they were so involved and they were really well informed. Evan, I'm going to actually ask you this, like what do boards want from a CMO and what don't they want? I think what we don't want is hand-waving, as I sort of think about it. It's like a lot of vagaries and like big talk about what could be or the things that are in motion and what things maybe should look like in the future, but it's hard to know. I mean, I, I think Eric, you, you sort of point out this all the time, but like we have very simple reptile brains. We are investors, right? And our, our goal is to invest money in the company and then to sell or to recapitalize a business some way and get money back out. And our goal is to have that pile of money at the end be a lot bigger than the pile of money. And so a lot of what we are focused on is what is the result of the actions that you're taking as a CMO? How do they intersect with the strategy of the overall business? And how do they correlate with value creation? I, I think as investors, we can probably, we're probably pretty thoughtful about the finance function. We may have some thoughts on sales and operation. I think it's a rare investor that is, uh, you know, a marketing expert that probably approaches nearly zero percent of the of the population, and so we just need things in many ways. Think brought back to the basics, which is we're doing X, and here's how it aligns the plan, and here's how it creates value. If you can sort of link all of those points in a clean way, you're going to have a very easy conversation with the board and the investor syndicate. I think where conversations break down is pointing to activity and describing the value we'll create without either data or a, an obvious linkage to a strategic plan. Mm. You know, activity doesn't create value necessarily. Some activity does, but, but not all. And so then confusing lots of moving pieces and lots of activity for the process of sort of building the business, like that, that's, I think, where things get a little shaky. I love this reptilian brain concept. I find that so hilarious and so accurate. And I uh, thank you for 
Thank you for saying that. So it seems like, and Evan, I mean, I think you're you're right. I heard the stat the other day that fewer than 5% of board members have marketing backgrounds. So it's, as you say, it's kind of like approaches zero. So it seems to me that investors are asking for CMOs to kind of context switch for them. It's not like the board members are not going to context switch for marketing leaders. So Jen, I'm curious, there is this kind of translation between here's what I'm doing and and how value gets created here. So can you talk more about that context switching and and also like why is it incumbent upon you to do it if you believe that it is? Uh, well, yes, I do think it is important for me to be able to speak to the value that I'm driving in the business in a way that our investors would care about. Uh, 100%, I believe that's important. And I think um, one of the ways that Evan and I sometimes talk about this is big V value and little V value. And I think the little V value, a lot of times people are really attached to that. Like that's the, what am I doing today that helps to drive pipeline? And like the things that I'm measuring on the daily, weekly, monthly to say, I am doing these activities and they're creating value in the business. It would be easy. It's not easy, by the way. Lots of people aren't comfortable with that kind of a conversation or that flow, but that's not Evan does care about that. Believe me, he cares about pipeline and bookings that are happening. What Evan cares about is the thing he told you about five minutes ago when he said, I put some money in and three to five years from now, I want it to be more money that I'm getting out. That's big V value. So it's a really, it has been hard in B2B marketing historically to draw a direct line from the activities that you're making to the outcomes that they're driving. But now we're actually talking about big V value, the value of this company not just the value of these marketing activities that I'm driving, this, this, my contribution to pipeline, whatever those things are. This is about how am I increasing the value of this company in market? And that is not a conversation that is necessarily one that many are comfortable or fluent in. That's the code switching that needs to happen between the operational plan and how I'm executing today. That's also important, by the way, and Evan cares a ton about that too. But how am I changing the program that I'm running, the team, the um, the efforts, where I'm investing in order to increase that big V value for the company at large. Can you say more about that big V value? Like when you're at a board meeting, what does that look like when you're describing that? Can you say like, oh, the, the value of the company just went up X percent? I wish I'd do that. <laughs> that would be interesting. But no, that, that's why part of this is hard is this. that's the Hardest thing to measure, right? In marketing, the, the easiest thing to measure, which honestly, years ago, you couldn't even do this, is I did these activities, I created this pipeline, right? Those are, those are the, the kinds of things that you can draw straight lines to now. Even those things used to be difficult. But in terms of value creation of a brand or a category, that's really squishy and difficult if you're not, spend, if you're not spending tons of money on a share of voice, share of wallet, what's going on out there. And for a company in our stage of growth, those kinds of um, studies don't make any sense. Um, and by the way, even if you spent hundreds of thousands of dollars to do those studies in five minutes, that data would be old. So it's, it's not a good investment to do those studies to understand your big V value. But in our particular case, we have understandings about how we want this company to be understood and valued and what new markets we want to open. And we'll be able to see that we're having success there because we will begin to create revenue in new directions. We will open up, uh, we will see consistency in uh, bookings creation. In, in directions we haven't seen historically, maybe into a new geo, maybe in a new product offering, um, maybe in a new revenue source that we hadn't considered historically. Those kinds of things would increase our value. The squishy ways that this would show up 
and every marketer hates this, but one of the things that we knew was a challenge here is our own customers saying to us, oh, I didn't know you did that. That breaks every marketer's heart. We don't want that. So addressing those kinds of things, those are, those are the squishy things that are hard to measure, right? How do we make sure that where we are understood um, and where we are in the consideration set of our future customers, that that, is, that market is expanding and that more folks are understanding the ways that Tolaris can drive value for them. So Evan, let me ask you, if Jen or a different marketing leader from a different portco brought up these kind of squishy things, which it's, it's I don't know if I would say squishy, but kind of like directional things like in a board meeting. So for instance, people are or not saying that they um, knew that such and such a company did X, Y, Z. Like, do you think that's valid for a board meeting? It's very rarely the case in complex operating business that you have one-to-one correlations everywhere across the company where you can directly tie specific actions to specific outcomes, right? And so this idea that we're going to have perfect knowledge, it's like, I don't really think it makes sense. And it, it seems like an impossible goal. In many ways, I, I think the board meeting, and this is not exactly what you asked, but I think the board meeting and the, and the conversation in the boardroom can act as like a bit of a forcing function to, to cause all of the executives in the business to stop and reflect on this very specific operational activities that they've been carrying out and ask, how does this create value, right? Why are we doing these things? How do we know that they are successful? And sometimes we can, all we can do is get a sense where it's directionally correct. And like, that's okay. I think what, what doesn't work though, and where I think really, I don't think it should be a, a question of, of code switching, Right, where marketers think about marketing things and investors think about investment things, we are united in a common goal, right? Which is creating creating value for the employees, for the shareholders, and creating valuable business. If we don't look at the all of our activities through that lens, I, I think we've sort of failed the enterprise. And mm. so I, I just I think in a really simple example, right? Every CMO in our portfolio is a shareholder, right? I mean, either through a management incentive plan or direct ownership. They participate from the value that's being created. And I don't actually think that, that the worlds are too, they're, they're too different. It's just where you focus and where you apply your efforts. Evan, is there something that you admit that you don't understand about marketing that you'd be willing to share? I don't know anything about marketing. I mean, like, there's not like, like so many things I don't know. I mean, I, I, don't, even know how, I don't even know how to start answering that. I mean, at one point in a life long, long ago, I, I, I had some marketing experience and like, I'm not even sure I was very good at it. And I wouldn't even pretend to give um, relevant operational advice. Right? I mean, I think the world in which Jen says, like, I'm, I'm thinking about running this campaign and here are the various ads in front of me. What should you choose? It's like, well, boy, like that's very misguided to ask me because like, what on earth could I tell you? I think this just kind of goes back to like, what is the, what is the relationship between the board, the investor syndicate and the executive team? It's, Hey, Jen, like show me with your track record, right? So you've told me that you wanted to pursue these things, that they would be valuable in the past. You did them. What was the outcome? I think that feedback loop is just as valuable when things are working as it is when they're not working. In fact, it's probably more valuable when it's not working, right? So to the extent that we can see teams hypothesis test and then course correct. That's great too. We don't expect everyone to be right 100% of the time. What we, what we care about is that we're measuring the activity as best we can and knowing that it's probably imperfect at best 
and then using that data to inform our next action. And so, I, I mean, now, Jen, correct me if, if I'm wrong, but like the number of times I've given any kind of meaningful substantive advice in a board meeting around some specific marketing tactic, like I, I probably could count on one hand and every time I gave it is probably wrong. So our, our goal is not to be smart marketers. That's why we recruit great people to work with our businesses. So we don't, we don't have to do it. We're getting involved is because something's gone horribly wrong. I do think though there was something um, underneath what Evan just said that, that has changed who marketers are, who CMOs are, Erica. And that is this preponderance of data that allows us to understand now digital buying behavior, to be able to see how people are engaging with a brand and how they become engaged when they're in the consideration set, what their purchase journey looks like, what happens after. Now that we can understand these things, it be we must, right? Mm-hmm. So what Evan didn't say is like, that's why he wants data-driven marketers to help him because he speaks with his reptile brain. He wants to understand if I put in a dollar here, how many dollars am I getting out on the other side? And that's hard to do if you're talking about squishy, you know, arts and crafts marketing, which that, that's why the profile of who leads marketing has changed so much because the data exists to be able to tell more informed stories. And so that's why folks are looking for that profile from a leader today. So Jen, let me ask you, we asked Evan what he wants from a CMO. What do you want from a board and what don't you want? I love that. They know what they know and they know what they don't know. Um, and they're just so that that's super helpful because it hasn't always been like that for me. I'll, I'll be honest, like there are a lot of people who read something about marketing and and then send you a note saying you should do this with your SEO strategy or you should go on Twitter and say these things. There are a lot of people who sort of like play at operating and that's not bad. I mean, it's, you get good ideas from all over the place. It's not a bad thing to have that, but it, it's really powerful to know where you add value and where you don't. Like Evan and I have had many conversations about me understanding his financial perspective on things and and what good looks like and what success looks like for the company and things like that so that we remain aligned. So I like I like that kind of openness. I like that we have open channels of communication. Like that's another thing is I like ungated access to board. Uh, Sometimes you have a leadership that that's really protective of that relationship. And we don't have that. It's hilarious. We are we are allowed and encouraged to have direct relationships with board. And and I think that is really healthy. So that's something that I would want is open access and feedback. Like when things are going well or when things aren't going well, just like Evan wants me to tell him, hey, Mm -hmm. I I ran this play and oops, that didn't work out well. So now I'm going to do it this way next time. This is what I'm going to change. And this is is what I learned and how I'm going to do it differently. I also want them to be like, hey, by the way, when you presented information in the following ways, this did not um, meet our expectations. It would be better if it was like this. And this is what I really meant when I said I wanted this thing. Like real open, honest feedback is super helpful because I've definitely had it where it's not that. And then I've been surprised by board reaction. So I think it, that, that's sort of me as a human um, wanting that. I want more open communication anyway. And having that from a board is very important. I, I believe I have that with Evan and with the rest of the Columbia Capital board too. So Jen, what would be your advice to another CMO who is facing that challenge that a board members, you know, saw something, you know, like, oh, go do this thing on Twitter or, you know, why don't you, why don't you do X, Y, Z? How, how would you advise them? Well, what I've said, I really believe like good ideas come from anywhere. So part of the guidance there is listening, uh, you know, being open-minded to things. But the other part is to, it's an opportunity in some cases to remind folks about what your priorities and where your areas of focus are. 
So it, it would be great in, in, in the case when someone came up with a thing and said, hey, why don't you go do this thing over there? You could say, oh, that's a really interesting idea. And remember, this year we're focused on these three priorities. These are the things that my programs are driving toward. And I, we, could, um, we could take some of our focus away to try that experiment, but I'm not sure it would have the same impact on the bottom line as these things that we're doing or whatever, bringing information back to what are the like, top line objectives that you're trying to drive through the business is one way to do that because there's always a lot of ideas and keeping focused and, uh, and trying things is good or, or keeping a carve out for ex- experience, like uh, experiments, pardon me, is, is also not a bad idea because there are often ideas that come at you from lots of directions and it's not a bad idea to try things. Right. I actually, it's my, the, like, I hadn't really thought about it that way, but I, I do think framing things for the investor or the board around this idea of constrained resources. Like we only have so many people, we have to pick the things that we're going to do and we want to be best in the world with them. Yep. Us do that. This is what we have to do. Like that, that is, that's language that resonates, right? So we, I always sort of ask people like, what are you best in the world at? What is the company best in the world at? How do we do more of that thing and do less things or not? I think investors and, and folks understand this idea of constrained resources and trade-offs really well. But somehow, like when we talk with the companies with which we are invested, we have this expectation that people do endless amounts of work with, you know, very limited resources. And then there's also this question about budget, right? So we like the idea of endless work, but without endless budget. And, and like, it turns out those are like contradictory ideas. And so, you know, I think framing the priorities around, you know, what we can do well and what we need to focus on, I think is also, is always a, a helpful way to ground and frame the conversation. Thank you. So any tips on when things are not going well? Evan, you brought this up earlier. If, um, you know, say leads are down, conversion is suffering, a launch falls flat, you know, you spend a lot of money on a campaign and it doesn't do, doesn't go anywhere. Like I'm curious from, from either or both of you, how should that change how a CMO interacts with the board? If you have the measurements in place, like we were talking about, there's always something that's out. People don't buy the way you expect them to buy. Buying trends change. Things change. Um, and so there's never going to be ever a time when you 100% deliver on your promise. So I think just being completely, first of all, managing expectations that that's true is helpful. Like if someone's expecting green across the board and everything just goes the way that they uh, hoped it would, like that's not rational. It's probably not going to go that way. And we're probably not measuring things appropriately if everything's always looking up and to the right. So what we're looking for are to have the mechanisms in place that we can see when things are out and that we can adjust. So Evan just said, tell me early and often when things aren't going right. I would hope, Erica, never, I mean, not never, unless Evan wants me to, but I'm not going to be in the business of talking to Evan about the messaging that I have at the campaign level. That's something, that's like too small for him. He doesn't care about those things. What he cares about is the outcome in a bit much bigger sense. So he needs to believe that I'm tracking the business in a way that I can make adjustments um, to my business and and make those outcomes. And that and I need to be out and honest with what's going really well and also with what I'm uh, working to correct. And so some of that is me um, actively managing expectations that things will, will always be out. And secondly, me, me showing the reds and the yellows too, not just the greens when I'm communicating with the board about what's going, you know, how things are going. And I guess just what I want to know is that amongst the teams we back, there's enough willingness to reflect on what's going right and wrong, communicate those lessons in, in an open and honest way that we can have a dialogue. What I think when, I think when that breaks down, I think you get a lot of, get a lot of commentary about, you know, Twitter tactics from board members who don't know what they're talking about, right? There's like some, 
some interest or desire to assert control where they, they, maybe they feel like they don't have their arms around things. And I think similarly, if teams don't feel like they have an understanding where their investors sit and how they're thinking about the world, you know, maybe they maybe they want to hoard information too. And like if, when you get to those, those are very dark places to get and you really never, ever want to be there. And the only way to, to avoid it is just be open at every step, every step of the way. Your question um, was about what to do in these cases. So part of my guidance would be include board in all of your interviews. First of all, don't ever accept a marketing leadership position without relationship development with that board because you don't know what you're walking into. Otherwise, like you're signing up for something that you don't know what that's like and then manage that um, relationship actively. I can earlier when it, leadership was less comfortable to me when it was a newer experience of leading the function. I don't know that I had the confidence to push on that kind of thing as much. And I didn't um, and I didn't know that I don't think I developed the board relationships as much as I should have, like looking back. Um, and so there was an out between expectation and uh, delivery and things like that. And I think that as I moved on, like that's an incredibly important uh, relationship to invest in before you even accept the job so that you're on the same page about um, expectations, but also certainly to cultivate while you're in seat. That, that makes a ton of sense. Jen, you were mentioning, you know, reds, yellows and greens, um, which makes me wonder what has worked and what hasn't in terms of structuring your board presentations. And relatedly, is there a way that you've seen to not have board meeting prep take days of intensity and days of time? Well, your board meeting content is always incredibly important. And I, I'm not even a year in seat at Tolaris. So if I am honest about how we've managed our board conversations to date, it's not like I have a, a rote packet that I'm continuously delivering to them every single time. It's more complete updates to what, what are the strategic imperatives. The first 120 days was like sitting and looking and evaluating the business and deciding what priorities were. And it was aligning on priorities and it was restructuring and doing all that. So there's been a lot of higher level updates. But my goal ultimately when I get the business to where it is, is to have more of a regular package, which is data driven. I have at this point, um, developed a dashboard, but it, it is a dashboard that I am just now reporting on regularly to the internal business. It's not even board ready. Like I'll, Evan, I could, I, I would show it to you in a private meeting right now, but it's not consistent enough. Uh, I haven't had enough months in seat, like measuring the same things that I believe it's board ready. And so I think by partway through this year, we'll be in that place, Erica, where I'll have a more standard board reporting package where Evan can be like, aha, these, this is what I expect to see from Jen. Evan, anything to add on how board meeting prep can be less intensive? I don't actually know if that's the right question. Like, I mean, I think that the sort of frames board meeting prep is like eating, eating your vegetables, right? Yeah. It's like what's the least painful way to do this. It, it's yeah. something that's kind of pain. It takes a lot of time. And can we be more efficient? Because it, I, I think it treats the, the board reporting as perfunctory and as reporting. And yeah. I think if that's the, where you are, well, then just send out the deck. We don't need a board meeting, right? I mean, send some materials, tell me, show me the same thing every month or every quarter or whatever. And we don't need to get together. I didn't up much time. If that's what you're doing, I, I think board meetings, board meetings probably be being run pretty poorly, right? Or it's not a good use of time. I think board meeting prep takes time because it is, I think for the business, like a moment of self-reflection. What have we done? What were the outcomes? What are we going to do differently? How does this impact our view on strategy or the market? And those are not always easy questions to answer. And if they are really easy, like I, I might, might think it's time for a little more self-reflection, right? Because it, they're, these are like 
it very rarely are the things that we're doing, even in businesses that are just really doing well, easy. That we face tough questions that take time to grapple with, right? We are conducting a lot of activities and hiring people and running new strategies and evaluating them and measuring them against the alternatives. Like those are complex questions. Yeah. If the answer is obvious and easy and it's the same every quarter, like something's not working. So I, I encourage the companies that we work with, and I think this you know extends all the way to the marketing function, to look at the board meeting as a way to just pause and to, to kind of think about what you've been spending time on and you know what you want to accomplish and, and what you have accomplished. I think for just given where Columbia invests, a lot of times we'll get involved in the business that maybe has actually never even had a formal board meeting. And I think there's sometimes a little bit of like a allergic reaction idea. We'll write all the things working down on a piece of paper and then talk about them. But over time, I, I would say the universal, the near universal view from the executives that we partner with, the board meeting itself is a highly valuable exercise. It is not just to give an update to the investor group. It does force you to look with outside eyes at your business, right? Because you can get so in the weeds on a regular day to say, okay, wait a minute. Now I'm looking at this from a different perspective. Uh, what's the story? How are things going? And so I, I completely agree that it, and, and also you want to use the board for the guidance that they're good at giving you, right? You want to be able to say, these are the things that are happening and ask them for the guidance um, in the places where you need it or, or buy-in for the decisions that you're making. If they, you know, if like, this is my strategy. This is something I learned. This is what I'm going to do differently. Is this something you're familiar with? Is this, does this make sense? Like use the board for making good decisions too. Right. And I think, you know, the, the more form we are, the better we are at providing support. And that support is not in the form of, you know, this marketing tactic versus that. It's, hey, Jen, like we have 10 other portfolio companies that face similar problems. I have an idea about how they solve them. I'm probably not the best person to describe them to you. Why don't you talk to them? Right. So we, I think we can facilitate connections and conversations that ultimately are useful that help get to resolution, but without us being the ones actually dictating the result. That's a great conversation. Thank you. So final question for each of you is just what one piece of final advice would you have for a new CMO or a CMO that's new to a role to optimize their board relationship? I think I'll just go back to the thing that I said before. One is ensure that the board is included in your in your interview process. I wouldn't allow it otherwise. And then cultivate that, really actively cultivate that relationship as someone who's their partner with you in the success of the business and help you see things from a different direction. And they have skills and abilities to help you be more successful at your job. So leverage them. And also they can help you in some very clear ways understand what is the big V value? What, why are you there? What is the outcome that you're really trying to drive and, and have that perspective from, from a different, a different lens? Evan, anything to add? Yeah, I mean, I think without uh, Mel to say just transparency is 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 absolutely key. But I think maybe the, the specific thing I'd recommend and something we try and do, though though not always successfully, is to make sure that we are sharing our view on how value gets created in these businesses and being very specific about it. And that's not necessarily to like prescribe a playbook, but I think you know even very early on, you know, Jen, Jen and I sat down and you know we had went to our deck like, how do we think value gets created, Tolaris? And how do we think the market will think about value? How do we think that intersects with, mar- intersects with marketing? And here's some example numbers. Like it's not, it's not as if it was the crystal ball where we outlined exactly what was going to happen over the next couple of years, but 
it allows us to align, I think, but Jen will tell me if it worked or not, on the common vocabulary so that when we talk about value, we are actually talking about the same thing. I think sometimes that step can get skipped because we assume that we're all speaking the same language when in fact we very rarely are. Just because we come with different sets of experiences and different priors, look, doesn't mean we're going to agree on everything, but I think it's important that we understand each person's worldview so that we can iterate quickly as we develop a relationship around what does value creation mean in a private equity backed or venture backed business? Well, this has been awesome. Thank you both for sharing these fabulous perspectives. I have this image in my mind of reptilian brains and, you know, awesome reptiles and um, and also just a, just such a nice uh, connection between the two of you. So thank you so much, Jen Demas and Evan Decord for joining the Get. That was Jen Demas, Chief Marketing and Experience Officer from Tolaris, and Evan Decourt, one of her board members from Columbia Capital. Maybe you have a board member with a reptilian brain. Think about how you can translate marketing speak for them based on what you learned today. Next time on The Get, we will hear from two SaaS marketing leaders from PE-backed companies about their hard-won learnings on working with boards. Allison Dancy and Madeline O'Fallon. You'll hear about the relative importance of the three C's, context, content, and confidence when interacting with the board. And we talk about how boards have glommed onto some key marketing concepts like ABM and ICP, but not others like brand. How do you leverage that in your board interactions? Don't miss it. Thanks for listening to The Get. I'm your host, Erica Seidel. The Get is here to drive smart decisions around recruiting and leadership in B2B SaaS marketing. We explore the trends, tribulations, and triumphs of today's top marketing leaders in B2B SaaS. If you liked this episode, please share it. For more about The Get, visit thegetpodcast.com. To learn more about my executive search practice, which focuses on recruiting the make money marketing leaders rather than the make it pretty ones, follow me on LinkedIn or visit theconnectivegood.com. The Get is produced by Evo Terra of Simpler Media Productions.